Hello, this is Steve Bailey, welcoming you to episode 34 of Hard Boiled Eggs and Nuts, a Laurel and Hardy podcast. Now then, I am recording this episode on June 16, 2018, which would have been the 128th birthday of Stan Laurel. So in honor of Mr. Laurel, I thought I would do a review of what I think is his finest cinematic performance in the movie 1940 feature, A Chump at Oxford. Now then, uh, this is a very lengthy one, so kick back and relax, because I want to go in-depth on this one. If I had to choose one average Laurel and Hardy movie to watch just for a single extraordinary sequence, the hands-down winner would be A Chump at Oxford. The movie's premise is that Stan and Ollie inadvertently thwart a bank robbery, and the bank president rewards them with a scholarship to Oxford University. The movie's college setting and its title are a spoof on the then-current movie A Yank at Oxford. But otherwise, there's little reason to think that a comedy written and performed by men who probably never set foot in a college will be at all relevant to collegiate life then or now. And the Marx Brothers horse feathers, by the way, suffers from the same defect. Indeed, knowing one knows, knowing what one knows about Stan and Ollie, one would think that a lifetime scholarship to night school would be far more appropriate. This movie was Laurel and Hardy's penultimate film for Hal Roach, a producer who was far more sympathetic to their characterizations and work methods than later big studios would prove to be. Knowing this in hindsight offers a certain retrospective tinge to the movie, which is emphasized by the movie's primary opening sequence where Stan and Ollie get a job as maid, disguised of course, and butler. This sequence was added to the film when Roach realized that the movie's original for-real length was insufficient to satisfy Laurel and Hardy fans. Laurel and Hardy biographer Randy Scredvit characterizes this sequence as, quote, in essence, their first two-reeler since their final short subject, Thicker Than Water, end quote, and it is fairly self-contained. The scene's nostalgia is further underlined by the use of old Laurel and Hardy cohorts, such as James Finlayson and Anita Garvin. And when Ollie comes out to announce, there's everything from soup to nuts, folks, Invoking the title of the Laurel and Hardy silent film from which this sequence liberally borrows, the movie is awash in nostalgia. As fun as it is, though, this is not the most extraordinary part of the movie. Neither is the middle, or is it middling, section where Stan and Ollie go to Oxford and have juvenile pranks played on them by a drearily pretentious group of British students, one of whom is actually played by Peter Cushing. Just before the students attempt a nasty revenge on Stan and Ollie for snitching on them, a butler named Meredith mistakes Stan for the college's legendary, legendary scholar, Lord Paddington. It seems that Lord Paddington had a windowpane fall on his head one day and wandered out of Oxford, never to be seen again. And Stan has an uncanny resemblance to Lord Paddington. Of course, Ollie poo-poos the whole thing, saying, Well, I've known him for years, and he's the dumbest person I ever saw. Aren't you, Stan? Stan illustrates the point by agreeing heartily. But Stan and Ollie go through an open window to try and escape from the students along a ledge, and wouldn't you know it, the window pane falls down on Stan and he becomes Lord Paddington. This opens up some interesting questions and potential plot developments that the movie doesn't begin to touch. 
First off, is it possible that Stan really is Lord Paddington? And if so, what happened between the time that he first lost his memory and the time that he met Ollie in America? Or is it possible that Stan's subconscious absorbed Meredith's uh, Lord Paddington story and allowed his other side to break out in best Freudian style? One could almost imagine one of H.M. Walker's priceless subtitles preceding this sequence, an image lodged in Mr. Laurel's subconscious. Mr. Laurel himself was barely conscious. But back to the plot. Stan as Lord Paddington's ears furious, twitch furiously, which has been foretold as a sign that he means trouble, and he dispatches the mobbing students through the open window, while an incredulous Ollie looks on from the ledge. When Ollie enters back through the window, he's thrown out as well. Normally, Ollie would be infuriated by Stan's presumptuousness, but here he's more amazed by Stan's strength and his forgetting their friendship. Ollie appeals to Stan's emotions, Ollie's appeals to Stan's emotions, excuse me, are met with Paddington's frosty query to Meredith. Who is this coarse person with the foreign accent? When Ollie is informed that he is beneath Paddington's station, the old Ollie returns to inform Paddington and Meredith that he will not bow to this simpleton, whereupon he is dispatched through the window again. Fade in on Lord Paddington, return to his former status at Oxford, and Ollie, who is now Paddington's manservice and his servant and is addressed by Paddington as Fatty. Just the beginning of this sequence is delicious enough, as we imagine Ollie having to pay for all those years of his stand, condescending treatment of Stan. Paddington is informed that he has an appointment to talk with Albert Einstein, who is, quote, a bit confused about his theory, end quote. This is one instance where a silent look to the camera just isn't enough. Ollie looks straight at us and blurts, Einstein. Before that bump on the head, he wouldn't know Einstein from a Bierstein. The next sequence rewards one's anticipation. Paddington tells Ollie that he needs a bit more poise to his appearance. He directs Ollie to stand up straight and uh, to lift his chin. Ollie resignedly lifts his chin, but Paddington demands, no, 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 both of them, both. Laurel and Hardy British biographer Charles Barr suggests that this sequence might have been close to real life, where Stan Laurel, the uncredited writer-director of these comedies, directed Oliver Hardy, who was content to go through his paces and then rush to the golf course at the end of filming. Ollie tries to follow Stan's directions, or Paddington's directions, I should say, and succeeds only in tripping himself, whereupon Paddington denounces his clumsiness. Ollie can take no more. He blows up at Paddington and announces he's packing his bags and leaving for America. Paddington, unperturbed, shrugs off Ollie as a witty old stick in the mud. Outside, a group of students sings For He's a Jolly Good Fellow to Paddington, who unfortunately never had the window repaired or his memory checked. He sticks his head out to hear the tribute, and boom, he is Stan again. So Stan turns and asks Ollie why he's leaving. It takes a few moments before the situation sinks in for Ollie, but when it does, he happily hugs his old friend, briefly looking down at his double chin and then realizing that it is no longer of any consequence. Uh, in, final, in final, as much as we want to see Stan and Ollie in any form, it's tempting to wish that this final scene had been their farewell to movies. It wraps, everything's up, wraps everything up nostalgically, retrospectively, and with an air of finality. And had this been the coda of their film career, we would have been spared the below-average antics of their last Hal Roach film, Saps at Sea, not to mention the painfulness of their final big studio films and the foreign-made disaster Atoll K, or Utopia. Indeed, biographer Charles Barr closes his comprehensive book of Laurel and Hardy at this very point. That's bad movie history, of course, but after all, everyone loves a happy ending. That's it for this episode. Let me end with my uh, usual shameless plugs. 
For 18 years, I have been hosting a Laurel and Hardy website, uh, including my reviews of their teen movies, reviews of Laurel and Hardy biographers, inter biographies, interviews with their biographers, and sundry other Laurel and Hardy minutiae that will keep you amused for hours on end. You can find this at leaveemlaughing.moviefever.com. That's leaveemlaughing.moviefever.com. Uh, if you would like to join us on Facebook, uh, the, this podcast has a Facebook page that is devoted to it, and it has the same name as the podcast, Hard Boiled Eggs and Nuts, a Laurel and Hardy podcast. The cover photo of this Facebook page gives you the URL for the podcast's website, as well as URLs for various venues where you can find this podcast, including iTunes, Google Play Music, and Anchor, the parent website that hosts this podcast. And finally, if you have anything to say about this podcast, for or against, I love feedback, and I encourage you to write to me, or email, I should say, at hardboiledeggsandnuts at outlook.com. If you are listening to this for the first time, I hope you will listen to the previous 33 episodes, and then you will subscribe to the podcast. If you are listening on iTunes, please leave a star rating and or a review of the podcast. It really helps. Thank you so much for listening. Hope to see you again soon, and until next time, this is Steve Bailey saying goodbye.